I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Al Petrie, who founded Al Petrie Advisors in 1998 to provide specialized investor relations and strategic analysis consulting for the energy industry. In 2000, he created the Louisiana Energy Conference, an event that attracts nearly 500 investment and industry professionals and showcases energy industry firms. Now, he's created the Southern Industrial Conference, which will debut May 31st and June 1st at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. The gathering will be immediately followed by this year's Energy Conference, which will continue at the same location on June 2nd and 3rd. Al Petrie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rich. Happy to be here this morning. So you specialize in, among other things, creating investor relation programs for public and private energy companies. Can you explain that in layman's terms for someone who's not in either of those industries? Sure, no problem. It is a little bit of an interesting uh, specialty uh, kind of area for us. Uh, what it is is that, you know, particularly for co- public companies, all of those companies have to report their uh, results to uh, Wall Street on a quarterly basis. Okay. And so we assist companies with uh, providing that information quarterly. We do things like press releases. We help them with their earnings release. We do their annual reports. We do conference calls. We arrange meetings. So we basically are like an outsourced investor relations function that larger companies may have several people internally to do that. But for smaller companies, we fill that niche where they like the experience we have without having to have a full-time person. Understood. So for a large company somewhere, it might be an in-house. And then for medium to small companies, it makes more sense to have a vendor. That's right. And with us and the team that I've got, I've been doing investor relations since 1987. But I'd say the, the most junior person on my team has been doing it for almost like 18 years. So we've got a lot of good experience that helps companies because plenty of times, you know, when issues arise, like when oil prices fell so much two years ago and the pandemic and everything that's going on, we help them to figure out how to communicate that to their shareholders and how to deal with uh, Wall Street and people that were calling and saying, what's going on? Are you going to survive? So that experience pays because our industry is cyclical and we've had a bad couple of years and now we're having a really good year right now. Right. Now, explain to me how we have enough public companies here for you to have, you know, enough business. I didn't think we had that many. Well, yeah, unfortunately, that is true. Uh, When I started my practice in 1998, uh, I was with another company that just gotten bought up by a Texas-based company. And at that time, there were three uh, energy-related companies that I knew of that wanted to go public. And that was Energy Partners, Torch Offshore, and Hornbeck Offshore. And so when I went into business, I knew they were going to need the service that I just talked about. So I was able to pick up three IPOs really quick. And we've done probably 15 IPOs over the last 24 years. But unfortunately, when Katrina came along and Macondo, you know, so much of the energy industry moved from uh, New Orleans to Houston that, you know, I am still based here, but basically all of our clients are now in Houston with a few exceptions, but there just aren't that many public companies here. You're very true about that. 
I got you. You can stay grounded here because you're, you're a lifelong New Orleanian, but like the industry, you had to take a lot of your work uh, a little bit west. That's right. And so, you know, going back and forth to Houston's a pretty easy deal, thank goodness. And, you know, there's a troop of guys who do that almost every week. Now, I don't do that quite that often. I'm in Houston maybe twice a month. But uh, what we did do is that when we created this conference in 2000, the energy conference, we did it in New Orleans, and I've made sure that we've kept it in New Orleans. So even though the companies may have moved away, they all want to come here, and we make sure that it is not going to move. It's going to stay in New Orleans. It reminds me of the workboat show, which has been here forever. Yes, yes, that's right. Very similar in, in the concept where, you know, it makes sense for it to be in New Orleans. And even if the companies aren't here, some of them have small offices, but we just don't have any uh, major public companies that are uh, still uh, located here with the headquarters. Well, I'm going to ask you a little bit later in this conversation about the prospects for maybe more public companies being here in the future based on some of the changes that are happening in the energy industry. And I know there, I talked to someone a few months ago about hopes for offshore wind. can ask about that. But let me just talk now. Uh, sure. Tell me, explain the origin of the, of the Louisiana Energy Conference that you created, what, more than 20 years ago? Yes, what the idea was is, as I had mentioned, we had those three IPOs that were just getting started. And keep in mind, these, these uh, IPOs were like $200 million IPOs. They were not very big. And they all wanted to be able to tell their story. And one of the things that public companies do is something called an analyst day or a capital markets day, which is where you invite your investors and the analysts to come hear your story. Well, with these smaller companies, it was difficult to get people to come in to just hear their story because they were pretty small. Got it. So the Got idea it. initially we had was to have actually had six companies in 2000 that uh, we did it for like one day and they all uh, had an opportunity for like two hours to tell their story. And it was good because the first year we did it, we had about 60 or 70 people. And that's when we said, okay, this is something that could work. And you know, over time, it just grew and we got a lot more companies that were interested in participating other than just those initial groups. So this is companies pitching themselves to investors. Correct. Public and private, how does that work? Yeah, initially it was all public, but now uh, what we've done uh, is over, just like everything, you know, we try to keep the, the conference fresh, new and interesting. And at one point, uh, I'd say maybe about five or six years ago, there were 41 energy conferences per year. And we said, okay, what we were doing was good, but how can we compete with that many different conferences to get people to come here? So we switched to a more panel format. And when we did that, we now have panels that have public and private companies on it. And we found that that has been really effective because the private companies don't have the same restraints on talking that public companies do. And so, you know, this year we've got uh, 21 panels over two days with an average of four people per panel. And so that's a lot of uh, interaction that people can have. And we have found that that has been a really uh, successful way to get people to come because they, they learn so much in a short period of time, rather than just having those companies do canned presentation. Now it's called the Louisiana Energy Conference. Are, what percentage of these companies are from, are Louisiana based or, or do people come from all over? They come from all over, and it's interesting because you know the, the name has made some people think it is just about Louisiana, and it's only because that's where it is. It's not because it's focused on Louisiana, and it really never was. But you know, uh, we're actually kind of 
slowly transitioning to just calling it LEC. Okay. Uh, so that way for people that, that get concerned that it, it is only for Louisiana, but no, we literally have people from all over the world that come for it now. Now, and so it's been what, 22 years, something like this. Um, have you had yes. any you know, marriages made in heaven where at, at your conference, uh, a company has met an investor and great things have happened? Yes, as a matter of fact, um, it, it's, it's always gratifying because we get the senior management of these companies. We typically get their CEOs, CFOs, COOs. And when they're here, we provide enough networking opportunities where they can talk to people. And if there's an interest, they can then use that opportunity to introduce each other and then meet with them later. And I've had several, you know, one of them in particular said, well, I didn't realize this company still had a certain asset that I thought they had sold. And I saw the CEO and he said, no, the deal fell through. And he said, are you still interested? And he said, absolutely. And he said, within a month, we had a $200 million deal done. So that, that really made me feel like the conference did its job but helping to kind of network people and to have that, that interaction where if they hadn't come, that would never have happened. And we've also had a lot of the investor side that come in and say, oh, we love coming here because it's such a more interactive situation. And we have met some of the, the, the people with companies that we're now large investors in. This might be a silly question, but do you feel like it had <laughs> a certain sense, like, like you're basically throwing a huge party, like you're the host and you're getting all these people together and do you get nervous about making sure everything goes off the way it should and all that stuff? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, <laughs> uh, you know uh, when you have four or 500 people at these events, that, you know, the, the logistics of that, and keep in mind, like this year, we have 60 something companies. So each one of those is a management team. Right. And, you know, the, when you think about this, uh, the the people that are coming are highly paid, you know, senior executives. So we're having to be very careful, but you know, that's why we have it at the Ritz Carlton for one thing, because we know that uh, people will say, okay, if they're having it at that hotel, it must be a quality event. And we have other evening events like this year, we're at the Sazerac house and the Presbyterian, but special events as well. So the way we can do all of this is thanks to our, our many sponsors we have because my firm is a consulting firm. So we don't, we're not, you know, a large firm and, you know, conferences are not in place for us to make money. So what we do is we're the facilitator. We get the companies to come and our sponsors like it. So they help us to fund all of this. So it's a, you know, it's a fairly high ticket item to do all of this, but it's been more than worthwhile. It's been a great way for us, for us to make contacts as well as the companies themselves coming. Of course. Now, explain to me how the Southern, I'm sorry, that the Louisiana Energy Conference has led to the creation of the Southern Industrial Conference, which is debuting this year immediately before it. Uh, you know, again, for someone who's not yes. in this industry, the nuances of this might be a little lost to me. So what, what, what's the distinction? No, that's, you, you did great with the Energy Conference, because I think you've got the concept there. What happened is we had uh, two of our sponsors that reached out to me and said, Al, we love your Louisiana Energy Conference. The world is transitioning from traditional energy into other types of energy. And there is a whole raft of other companies in the Gulf Coast region that we think could use the services that we provide as an advisory firm, as well as getting them together to, to create a networking opportunity for what we're calling just industrial companies. And industrial companies are a pretty broad concept. 
you know, there, it's no specific industry. It can be anything from some of the people that, that you know, build boats to build, you know, make bricks to uh, our engineering firms, all kinds of things. All of those people kind of fall within that general concept of industrial companies. So we thought we would do that. This one is focused differently because instead of it being public companies and some private companies, this is primarily private companies. And it's people coming to learn how can they grow their business? What are the opportunities that we see in the economy we have today? Because you know, uh, uh, when we first came up with this concept a year ago was when we were thinking that we had the infrastructure bills, there were two of them at that time, and one of them got passed, the other one didn't. And we said, you know, that's gonna be putting a lot of money into the economy all along the Gulf Coast. And why don't we have something that can get companies together to hear about those opportunities? So that's really Rich how it came about. I got you. So do you, if, if there had not been an infrastructure bill and a pandemic, do you think this conference would have uh, come to be? Maybe not, you know, to tell you the truth, because you know, it was a kind of a confluence of events. So it was a combination of that energy transition, because, you know, we, like at a Louisiana Energy Conference, we have probably, uh, you know, almost a half a day devoted to companies that are doing things in wind and LNG, for example, and solar and stuff like that. But this other one is going to get more into kind of the infrastructure parts of uh, that. So it's something that uh, the pandemic and that infrastructure bill and just the general transition is really what was the genesis for it. So and the, the industrial conference, you feel like it's probably a combination of new energy stuff and then infrastructure stuff. Is that the two major buckets? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So, and so what we did is, you know, to give you an idea of some of the people that are presenting, the concept was if, if I am a CEO, CFO of a midsize private company, uh, you know, it could be an engineering firm, it could be a construction firm, could be, you know, uh, someone that, that provides services up and down the river for some of these large industrial plants there. I want to come here from advisors to tell me what's going on in Washington. Like uh, Jones Walker, for example, is going to be giving a Washington update. They want to know what's going on from a tax standpoint. So we have uh, Pulsaway, Nutterville, and Jones Walker doing a tax update. Uh, we also are having people from like Great New Orleans Inc., Louisiana Economic Development, LED, uh, Houston Partnership, and the Alabama Partnership that are coming in town to say what they see as the opportunities in their respective regions. And then we've got, you know, a variety of other ones talking about managing risk, dealing with inflation, dealing with uh, cybersecurity. So it's a pretty broad base and just just like a Louisiana Energy Conference, without our sponsors, we wouldn't have been able to put this on. And they have certainly embraced it. And we have some sponsors that do just one or the other, and we have some that do both. So it's good to see that you know a wide group of people see the value in doing both of these events. Okay, if I could ask, I'm going to ask for a sneak preview. So thinking about both these events, what are some important industry trends or opportunities that you think are gonna be being discussed? Some of the areas that I think are particularly interesting that I, I know we have lined up is something called carbon capture. And you may have been reading some of that, but that's where they're trying to take offshore depleted oil fields, as well as some of the salt domes, for example, onshore, and utilize those to 
put back into the ground carbon that has been released from factories, from chemical plants, from oil and gas wells. And that is something that it was just a concept for years. And now because of the push to try to reduce emissions because of climate uh, change concerns, that is going to be a very significant thing for Louisiana. So we're, this is our first year dealing with that. And it's going to be covered in both conferences. But I think that's something that has a lot of potential for Louisiana. And another one is LNG. You know, there were, we've always had Louisiana and Texas Gulf Coast be good places for LNG, either imports or exports. You know, for a while it was, we didn't have enough gas here, so let's import LNG. And, you know, they freeze the gas at very low temperatures. Then when it comes on shore, it gets regasified and then can be transmitted through pipelines. Well, total different situation now. There's a huge amount of demand for LNG in Europe. And we are, we have the ability to provide that because we have more than enough uh, natural gas in the U.S. So now we have all these LNG plants to take gas from the U.S. and send it. So we've got some of those companies that are doing that. And we also have a great speaker coming from Spain who's going to talk about how they have to deal with getting the gas. Because you know, one of the things people don't realize is that when that gas gets to Europe, there's only a handful of places that can regasify it. So they're having to really ramp up the ability to regasify it. And we have another speaker that's going to be talking about, she's actually from the Ukraine. She's going to be uh, talking. It's the only virtual session we've got. She, she can't travel because she just had a baby, but okay. she's going to be doing a presentation from Oslo talking about what's going on in that part of the world and how they're having to deal with and the impact it's on on prices because we think all prices, gasoline prices are bad here. People here have no idea what's going on in, in the UK and Europe. It's much, much worse. Right. But again, all that is opportunity for Louisiana. Yes, that, absolutely. And, and those are some of the ones that are the most directly uh, impacting. Plus, you know, the infrastructure bill uh, is, has money that's being spent like on uh, even abandoning wells. So that's something that some companies that went bankrupt left their wells in place, and now the government's spending money to, to decommission those, and there are companies in Louisiana that that's what they do. So they want to come and find out how they can learn more about that. I interviewed some experts sometime in the last year talking about the Louisiana energy industry, and I remember a quote was something along the lines of, the market, not policy, is going to dictate how the, how the industry changes and evolves. Do you, do you see... Um, investment going towards, say, finally doing some kind of offshore wind in Louisiana or, any, or anything like in, in that category? Do you, see, do you see the money being spent? Yes, and, and there's been a lot of discussion, and we've been involved with this as well, and it's going to be at the conferences too, is, you know, we talk about energy transition, but there are people that think that transition can happen in 10 to 20 years, and it's going to take a lot longer than that. So I think we've learned this in the last two years, you know, whether it was a freezing weather that occurred in Texas, you know, uh, uh, the things that have occurred more recently with the pandemic and supply chain issues is that, you know, we may want a solar and we may want wind energy, but we don't have the storage capacity so that when it produces it, it's there when you really need it. It's okay when the weather's good that you can have solar and wind, but if you have a freeze or you have a hurricane or you have other things that come up, 
But if it's not being produced, then it's not of any value. So they have to fall back on natural gas and oil. So I think we, we definitely will see, I think, wind in the Gulf of Mexico. It's kind of interesting because we may think of hurricanes in the Gulf, but we don't have the same wind environment that they have in the Northeast or right. the UK. So wind will always be somewhat you know, constrained by, it's just geographically not as good an environment. It can do it, but it's just not gonna be able to, to have the same power you'd get in those other areas. But I think we will see it there. We'll see more solar and we'll see more of this carbon capture and more efficient use of natural gas that I think is all gonna be good for that transition. Previous interview, they say the problem in Louisiana is that, yeah, like the, you know, even compared to Texas, maybe our, our Gulf wind speeds are not as high. But then the other problem, of course, is then you get hurricanes where you have to make sure that the turbines are able to withstand this storm. Exactly. Someone's yes. got to come up with the technology to capture all that storm energy and store it. Yeah, that's one of the things, though. The, the energy industry, even though it's considered old school, is one of the most technologically innovative industries ever. Because, you know, when you think, when the first wells were drilled in the Gulf of Mexico, I think in like the 1940s. And drilling in the Gulf of Mexico then was in 20 feet of water. And that was considered unheard of at the time. <clears throat> now we're drilling for oil in 10,000 feet of water. And that is all because, you know, the demand was there. People saw it as an opportunity to, uh, to supply the, the, the energy that's needed. And eventually the technology got to the point where it was economically feasible and people could make money on it. That will happen with wind and the other areas, but it's just not going to happen as quick. And, and I think that's where, you know, all these recent events are showing that doesn't mean it's going to stop, but it means it's just going to take more time. And Louisiana needs to, to be prepared for that because we've been very reliant on royalties for the state for many years. Uh, and that eventually that's going to go away and we've got to figure out a way that we can you know, embrace this new uh, cleaner energy and how the, the state can do something. And that's where carbon capture and some of those issues can help. Understood. I just have two more questions for you. One is just if you can maybe reel off a couple more hot topics that you think are going to come up in the conferences uh, this week. Let's see, you know, uh, the Gulf of Mexico is one where, you know, for, for many years, the Gulf of Mexico was almost one of the, uh, the and it's still one of the largest producing basins, but a lot of activity has slowed down for years and hurricanes didn't help. Well, there has been a significant resurgence in the Gulf here recently. And a lot of that's by private companies. So when companies, when people go to these conferences where it's only public companies, they're not gonna hear from some of these larger private guys like uh, Beacon and Cantium and others who are have offices in Louisiana. And they are major players in the Gulf these days and it is gonna to continue to be a source of production for, uh, for the country and also a source of you know, good business for Louisiana. So I think we got some good things we'll be talking about that uh, from the Gulf of Mexico standpoint, then uh, you know, the international aspect of what's happening you know, around the world and how that's affecting us producing energy here is another area. And, and one of the things, too, that this gets a little bit more subjective is on ESG, which is Environmental, Social, and Governance Matters. And I'm sure you've heard about that, and it's a hot topic in, in universities and investment community, where they want all companies to be more uh, conscien conscious 
of the impact they're having on the environment and on people. And so we've got several panels and you know, good speakers who are going to be talking about how are companies dealing with that. And we have people like even from the NYSC and the London Stock Exchange are going to be talking about how those aspects even affect companies that are listing their stocks. So I think that's going to be something that uh, it's part of another trend, just like the energy transition, these ESG trends as well. Right. And my last question for you is, as a lifelong New Orleanian and someone who's deeply invested in, in the energy industry, when you look at our current situation in 2022 and you look ahead for the greater New Orleans region, what are some factors that make you feel worried about, <laughs> worried about us? And then what, what's something that makes you just feel optimistic about our, our economy? I think, you know, I feel you never want to be too regretful, but, you know, things happened over the last uh, 20 years that uh, some of which we couldn't control, you know, and that was like with Katrina and with Macondo, but some of it probably could have been controlled. So I guess I'm uh, distressed that we have not done more in uh, Louisiana to try to keep these companies here. And I think we have certainly uh, focused a lot on technology, biomeds, uh, tourism, but you know, it's a shame because the energy industry provides some really well-paying jobs and it takes multiple other jobs to make up for one loss of a, you know, a more senior level executive with energy. So I find that part concerning. I hope that with this energy transition, that that might be the way we can do something about that. That, you know, it's interesting because it's hard to explain, but you know, like all the boat companies deal, have major uh, outlets in Port Fouchon, Venice, all along uh, the Louisiana coast. But all of those companies moved their headquarters to Houston. And to me, that, that was just a, you know, a major loss that may never get recovered. And so as we start having wind energy and carbon capture, I hope that the state and the city will realize that if we don't become proactive, it's all going to go to Houston as well. And, you know, I, I thank goodness people want to come to our conference because they love New Orleans. But right now, because of all that's changed, it's made those companies say, you know, I'll, I'll come to conferences. I want to meet people here. But it's still a challenge for me to, to locate my company here. So I think that's something that we really do to, need to spend more time. Okay, so that's the, that's the worrisome thought. And what's your, what's your hopeful thought to end on? So the positive is that, you know, energy has always been a very important facet of Louisiana. And the good thing is that, you know, right now, Louisiana and Texas are embracing energy where, you know, California and other states along the uh, East Coast, it's not in my backyard where Louisiana has embraced this. It's created many jobs and it's still creating jobs. I'm just talking earlier about corporate headquarters. I'm not talking about the people that are actually working for these companies, you know, for the boat companies and the other ones that do have jobs here, because we still have a significant presence. It's just, you know, for us to get those corporate headquarters is a challenge. But I think that the energy industry right now is very strong. Uh, the, certainly all prices, natural gas prices are looking really good right now. We think it's gonna continue that way. So that's going to be very good for our local economy. And interesting because those higher prices will transition occur too, because that'll make people say, okay, 
you know, $100 oil certainly makes $5 gas look like it's going to stay here for a while. What can we do that can keep that from going higher? And I think that energy transition is an area that we have a lot of potential here in Louisiana for that, as well as the carbon capture. And that that's where I see the, the high spots. And, and, and a plug for Tulane, like Tulane is very involved in the energy arena. They have the Tulane Energy Institute, they have a Tulane MBA program, uh, energy program. And those are the people that are training people and we need to get those guys to be able to stay here with good jobs. Nice. Al Petrie, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.